now we keep the flow of money going. That's the first piece that's critical. The second piece that we need to understand is that, again, it's about what goes on here. So they've actually done studies that if you take all the wealth in the world and you evenly distribute it to all the people in the world in 30 days, all the wealthy people are still going to have the money again because they understand how to make money. Do you want financial freedom, time freedom, location freedom? Want to live large to live free? Then come with me. Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And today, my friends, we have a unique and special guest and friend, Miss Catherine Bell from Titan Impact Group. So Catherine, we are going to take a deep dive on your amazing story. So I'm not going to take too much of the stage on that, but welcome to Freedom Hack Radio. Thank you for having me here. And seriously, like, I mean, you're a rock star in your own right in every sense. So... It's truly an honor just to be here having this conversation with you. You've got a pretty incredible journey that you've been on. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much for that. So a place I always love to start. What is giving you the most gratitude today? Long journeys and chapters coming to completion that we get to celebrate. So the one that's like right at the forefront right now is uh, I have 18 year old twins that, um, we are about to celebrate graduation and prom and just all those very American things that Americans do. <laughs> <laughs> coming coming from two people who are not originally from America, you're from Canada, I'm from Australia. Um, but yeah, there's some of the some of the stuff that happens here is pretty unique. It, it absolutely is. Americans everything. don't realize like, no, we don't have homecoming dances, games, anything like that. It's that's an American thing, you know, proms, like all the things they do around celebrating graduation. It's just, it's just done differently. It's very cool. It's a whole different culture. It's a different language. There's all these like different things. There's like sophomores and all this stuff with the schooling system. And right. Um, it, it's, it was a lot for me to like learn in the beginning. Um, another thing that I noticed actually about the American schooling system is so in Australia, at least where I come from, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but if you are going to be part of a successful sports team, it's probably not with the school. It's actually probably with like a local group um, that has nothing to do with the school. And then they're the kinds of groups that'll take you to the higher leagues, to the professional leagues and beyond. Um, but over here, the, the high schools and colleges seem to be kind of where the party's at and the amount of energy and training and coaching and the whole infrastructure around their like sports and music in in the states it's kind of mind-boggling it's huge right yeah it it it, it absolutely is mind-blowing to me and again like you said it's a whole different language like the whole sophomore junior i'm like wait what grade is that yeah <laughs> give me the number i can deal with the number <laughs> yeah we keep it we keep it simple in australia we got primary school high school Little lunch and big lunch. That's it. <laughs> Everything else is pretty simple. So yeah. I tell you, I know you have an absolutely amazing story. Um, you've you've lived a very interesting life, and uh, yeah, I'd really appreciate if you could just um, yeah, just take the time to unpack that for us. So, um, which all ties into the celebration of my twins. So well, so. Um, and I love the whole gratitude piece because I feel like that is my story is full on gratitude. Um, I um, born in Canada and I was actually born to a teenage mother and um, I was in and out of more homes than you could possibly count. I went to 13 different schools and uh, didn't actually learn to read till I was in the eighth grade, but I got straight A's. And I got straight A's because I learned that in school, they don't want you to think, they just want you to get the right answer. So if, as long as I could figure out what the right answer was, I could win. So I got straight A's. And um, I uh, was working since I was 13 years old to provide for my brothers. I had two younger brothers. Um, eventually, um, through a series of events, I ended up getting them adopted by their, for their birth fathers. And um, I... Um, I was on a pretty 
horrible trajectory of my life. Um, unfortunately, as a teenager, just given it's that whole, you are like the five people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, unfortunately, I didn't have the choice of who I was surrounded by. Right. So um, I was 16 and um, I had at this point, you know, we were in and out of living and not living with our birth mother. And at this point I was back there living with her and we were living with her boyfriend at the time who happened to actually be a drug dealer. And um, when the kids at that high school found out who I was living with, I ended up becoming the drug mule for that high school. And I knew my life was headed down a really, really, really wrong path really fast. And um, there was friends of the family who they were actually getting married and I was invited to the wedding and my birth mother did not like them and said that if I went that she wouldn't speak to me again. So anyways, I went and um, I, it was the night before their wedding that I sat them down and shared with them what was going on in my life, like really what was going on. And I asked them to adopt me. And without hesitation, they absolutely said, yes, absolutely. And that conversation changed the trajectory of my life forever because I had the courage to say what was happening and then ask for what I wanted. And they changed all their plans. They ended up getting married the next day. And then the following day, rather than going on their honeymoon, these two incredible people got up and um, had the brunch and they unwrapped their presents. And then they packed up all their stuff and they drove for 12 hours to go get all my stuff to bring me back to get me enrolled in high school um, so I could complete that journey. And I did, you know, I went on to graduate and I went on to go to college. Um, so at 16, <laughs> getting adopted at 16, it was a game changer. It changed my life forever. And we all have those moments in our life that we know that those pivotal conversations or those pivotal decisions that it literally changes the trajectory of our life forever. We can all find those points. And that was one of them for me. Um, another one, fast forward, uh, traveled the world. <laughs> Dasha talked about went to Australia, had an extreme amount of fun there, you know, saw lots of other countries and um, did a lot of volunteering. Um, because I believe that um, everybody inherently wants to make a difference in the world. And part of my greatest joy in the world is being the contribution, right? To society, to people, to animals, to whatever it is, children, when we can be that contribution, it just raises the vibration and raises like just all the good things that can happen, no matter how crappy life gets, we can always, you know, contribute and give. And um, that's when I ultimately met my husband. And um, so my husband, he, um, uh, Christopher, he was American. And um, when we got married, uh, because, well, I'm an entrepreneur and an investor at heart, capitalism wins over socialism. So, you know, <laughs> came to the US and uh, he had a dream and we took his dream. We turned it into a multi-million dollar company, which later we went and sold. And, um, it, you know, just live in the typical American dream, right? And so we had been married for a few years and um, discovered that, you know, I couldn't have babies. And, you know, it's like, how are we going to work this out? And it was actually through a series of events that we ended up learning about something called um, Fost Adopt. And what it is, is it's children that are in the foster care system that, um, through no fault of their own, just decisions of the birth parents, the parental rights are severed. And um, meaning they're never going to get the kids back. It's not the best choice for the kids. And so these children will grow up in foster care their entire life. And so they're, they, they now go into the FOST adopt program, I mean, foster care and adoption. So FOST adopt, meaning that as a foster parent, you can actually go into the system being a foster parent, which is, you know, kids come in and out of your home, or you can go into this other program, which is you are becoming a foster parent with the intent to adopt. Mm -hmm. And um, it costs less than a thousand dollars to adopt one of these children. And they come with a whole world of services. And so we, um, you know, they told me, 
you know, I'd wait forever because I wanted babies. And I actually only waited nine months and I got a baby boy and a baby girl. Exactly Eight. nine months. That's that's uh, pretty interesting. This, right? Uh, pregnancy. Yeah. Because of my intention of what I was out to create. And the biggest thing that I needed to give up was my picture. Right. And I feel like a lot of people do this is like they we have to when we can hold on to our vision of what it is we're looking to create and let go of the picture, meaning how it needed to happen then the vision can actually be realized, right? Like had I held on to the picture that I had to have the babies, I would have never been a mom, right? But I held the vision that I wanted to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And so the vision got realized, even though it didn't fit the picture. And so fast forward, um, you know, super excited to, you're running our company and I was a stay-at-home mom and, you know, just, it, it, it was beautiful. The typical American dream, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And um, it was, um, uh, I want to say it was like 2009, 10. My husband ended up actually getting really, really sick and um, not able to work, which forced me to actually have to go back to work and provide for our family. Again, not fitting the picture, but here was the vision. And um, so went to work to provide for my family through a series of events. We lived in California, Washington, ended up in Arizona. And um, I, we had always been investors through that entire point, because there's a couple things that I really understood as an entrepreneur and an investor was that one, we always have to keep learning, right? Keep reading books, keep networking, keep going to courses. Like you always have to keep learning. And so what I've learned is that money is like oxygen. The more you have, the easier it is to breathe. And the more you have, the easier you can breathe, the bigger the difference in the world you can make, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we give ourselves that breathing room, right? The average millionaire has seven streams of passive income. So the question I'd always asked was, you know, how many did I have and how many did I, you know, want to have in my life? And so just created passive streams of income. Originally, it was with buy and hold, discovered I didn't like tenants and toilets, yeah. then uh, went on. And um, here in Arizona, um, we did some wholesaling and then that doesn't provide cash flow, it just provides cash. We did, um, I had a whole program called the Flipping Females, where we taught women how to actually invest. And we flipped about 500 houses here in the Valley um, with women. And it, it was, and there were men involved in stuff too, but it was, it was a lot of fun, the whole before and after. We loved that. And, um, but again, doesn't provide passive income. It just provides that immediate. Um, and one of the things I understood through all the education was that there's multiple roles we can play in any real estate investing transaction. You can be the buyer, seller, contractor, subcontractor, realtor. I mean, it just, it's endless. But the question to ask is, because when you ask better questions, you get better answers. What role is the most secure position to have in any real estate investing transaction? And the answer is the bank. The bank is always the most secure position. So I was like, well, how do you be the bank? Well, you start your own hedge fund. So I started my own hedge fund. And um, we had a whole vacation rental portfolio, you know, doing that with all our investors. And um, then uh, in 2018, um, my husband died unexpectedly. So, you know, here I was now a widow and a single mom with 14 year old twins and trying to figure out what we were going to do. And um, that was another pivotal moment, not really planned. Um, but because I understood creating multiple streams of income at that time, I had actually created 13 streams of passive income for our family. And because of that, it allowed me to take a year off and not have to work and just be able to take care of my twins and, you know, work through all the grief and pain and figure out what we're going to do. And um, uh, he was actually taking care of the Airbnbs because it turns out I don't like guests and toilets either. So um, ended up, you know, refiguring out what in the world we were going to do, shut down all of that. And just regrouped and figured out at the end of the day, you know, when we can take what we learn about and what, what works and what doesn't work and what we like and what we do, don't like and 
who our personality is. Like in our company, I always say, if it's your genius, it's your job. If it's not your genius, it's not your job. So when you take a an honest look about who you are and what your genius is and, you know, all the different pieces, like, you know, it's like, I, I don't have the personality for tenants and toilets, guests and toilets, you know, all of that. And I love classic streams of income. So it came down to, I love being the bank and I love renting dirt. <laughs> so I have a portfolio of notes and um, we do residential development, commercial development, mobile home parks, because I love renting the dirt. You know, it's, it's a fabulous um, portfolio that's been put together, but based on what my geniuses are and, you know, where it is that I really thrive. And I, that's the thing I love about investing is we have that opportunity to make that difference, right? So um, through all of that, you know, the question is like, why, why would I continue to build this portfolio and build all this? Um, I believe that um, we all have what I call a niggly in the back of our minds of like, what is our purpose here really while we're here on earth, right? And what I found with having so many conversations with people is that there's a common thread throughout our life that our purpose is linked to that. So meaning, um, and how I've had a lot of people discover what it is. It's like, it's that thing that's always sitting in the back of our mind that we're asking, why isn't somebody doing something about that? So the, that is the thing that's linked. And for me, the, that was, why isn't somebody doing something about all the children in the foster care system? That was my that. And you can see how it was linked throughout my life. So of course it would be there. And so I started a nonprofit. It's called Bell Community Empowerment Foundation. And what it focuses on is that there's over 500,000 children in the U.S. foster care system. Over 350,000 are available for adoption today. And it costs less than $1,000 to adopt. So it's costing taxpayers billions of dollars on the front end to keep these kids in foster care. But here's what people don't realize. When children age out of the foster care system at 18 years old, on their 18th birthday, they experience what's called black trash bag day. Meaning on their 18th birthday, they're handed a black trash bag. They're told to put all their belongings in it and they're out. They're out on the streets. So these kids now are out in the streets and statistically they end up on drugs, prostitution, incarcerated, and trafficked. So now it's costing taxpayers billions more on the back end, right? So what do we do about that? So what came to me was that there's more than 350,000 congregations in this country. What if each congregation took on finding one family, just one, to adopt one of those kids? We could get this done in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. So my nonprofit partners with these specialized adoption agencies and these churches to partner together to help find that family for these kids. Because here's the thing, not, we do that. Not only are we saving taxpayers billions of dollars on the front end, the back end, but think about this. Just think about this. What if 1% of those 350,000 children got as inspired as I got by being adopted and having their lives completely changed forever mm -hmm. that they decided to go out and make a difference in the world? That would be 3,500 adults that go out to be a huge contribution and make a difference that they are called here for and to fulfill on their purpose. So that is why I do everything I do, why I build passive streams of income, why I talk everywhere I can about this to bring the awareness. And now I get emailed all the time, these stories that there's one less trash bag that going to happen mm -hmm. because somebody had the courage to go out and get one of these children. Yeah. No matter wow. how old or young they are. And they change their life. And more importantly, these kids change these families' lives.
Yeah. And then there's, <laughs> you know, I'm feeling like the compound effect of that, to, you know, taking a kid who may have had a really challenging life now is very inspired, now is capable, now is strong. And then the, the butterfly effect of that kid going out into society and doing all of these amazing things and all the people that would touch and, um, and positively affect. I mean, we can't even measure that. How many lives would be impacted there? Right. Exactly. Millions. Who knows? You know? Yeah. One family, one child at a time. We can do this. Right. And I mean, who knows for other countries what could be created, but let's just start here right in our backyard. And so me being adopted, me adopting my twins. I mean, it's the impact is huge. So that's why going back to what you said, what you asked, what I was grateful for, like I get to I'm coming into celebrating, you know, 18 years of pouring into these two and having a celebration of like graduations happening. This chapter is being closed and now we're opening new chapters. And I mean, it, it's been an obscene amount of work, a lot of tears, a lot of joy, but we're here and, you know, we get to create what's next. And no black bags, no black bags for them either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amazing. That's huge. Well, thank you for unpacking your amazing story. Um, So much to actually touch on. I want to just go kind of pretty far back to the beginning where you mentioned that in the beginning, you lived in like 11 different places or something like that. Now, like a really short period of time where you went to 11 schools. No, I went at 13 different schools. 13 different schools. I actually don't have the number on how many places I've lived because there were so many. This is... I'm interested and I'm curious. Um, I didn't have that big like moving around thing, but I've wondered what it would be like for a child to have so many moving arounds and stuff like that. Like, how did that play a role with you and you relationship building? Did you get to a point where you're like, I'm really good at making friends? Or did you like, by the time you get to the sixth or seventh school, you're like, man, I don't even bother making friends because I'm going to be moving in three months anyway. Like how did that affect you on like the social connecting relationship building side of things with other kids and like teachers and people in your life? So a couple of things. So I'm about to go down a pretty dark hole right now. Um, You just asked a pretty (laughs) Pandora's box question is um, it's my birth mother. Again, she was a teenager when she had me, she did the best she could with what she had you know, and one of the most difficult things was the very earliest memory I ever had as a child was her telling me, screaming at me that I effed up her life, literally with the explicit words. And as a child, hearing that over and over and over again, um, it absolutely impacted me. And I was devastated as a child that I ruined somebody's life. And because that was the message I was constantly told, um, I stayed away from people and I kept people at bay. So going through all those different schools, I was very, very good at being basically a chameleon and a wallflower because as the new kid, you always got picked on. Um, So you never wanted to be the popular kid. And you just learned, I learned very quickly how to essentially navigate and become friends with all the friend groups very, very quickly. And I learned always become really good friends with the biggest kid in the school. Cause if somebody comes to pick on you, you can run to them and hopefully they'll back you up. <laughs> so it becomes a survival mechanism. And out of that, um, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of, um, deep friendships, um, because I was never anywhere long enough to have those friendships. And, um, It was only in my 20s, I ended up going and doing some really intense personal work. And there was this one particular, you know, course I had gone through. And it was really interesting because what I had unraveled was that now, now, you know, something that was a survival is now detrimental because I'm not letting anybody get close to me. And because I didn't want to ruin anybody's anybody else's life. And so I started unpacking and unraveling that, that message that I received as a child, you know, that I effed people's lives up. And I, um, as I was unraveling it, what I got to was, wait a second. So if it was my fault 
that I got an, a teenager pregnant, like I ruined her life because she got pregnant with me and it was my fault that I was created and born. Like, wow. I mean, think about it. An egg. An egg has that much power that it literally, the egg was the one that caused itself to be fertilized and turned into a human being and brought into this world. Well, what does that say about this egg? Well, I must be the most powerful freaking egg on the planet. <laughs> right? And if I'm the most powerful egg on the planet and I can ruin people's lives, wait a sec. Now as an adult, and I have a say in this, what if being the most powerful egg on the planet, I could actually make a difference and actually like make a, a positive impact in people's lives. Now I can do something with this. And it was that another, that was a pivotal moment in my life when I realized, oh my gosh, I actually have say in how this turns out. Just because I came into the world like this, I didn't have any say in that. I didn't have any say throughout my childhood, but I have say in what I choose to do with it. So it doesn't matter what happens to us. It matters what we choose to do with it. And so I chose to take that very negative message and flip it into, okay, if I am that powerful, then I'm going to go make a difference. And I'm going to make a huge freaking difference because I say so, right? So it's allowed me now to have, I have truly extraordinary relationships that are so deep and meaningful and intimate and loving and caring with some of the most magnificent people on this planet. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, again, could I have let that run my life, my whole life? Absolutely. I could have, but I chose to do that internal work, that work that's necessary for all of us. You know, it's like, what goes on here and what goes on here, like that will change, that'll, that'll make us or break us, mm -hmm. right? And so doing the work to take all that nastiness and flip it into something great, like that's up to us. And that's, that's, that's what I chose to do. That's, you huge. know, and I think we see that kind of metaphor play out over and over again. Like the best UFC fighters are the ones who got their ass kicked when they're a kid. Some of the best Olympians were the ones who lost when they're a kid. Some of the most financially successful people were broke as fuck when they were a kid, you know? Right. And it's like, it's some people will go down the path of being a prostitute and, and a drug addict and all of these things. Um, right. And then there's something within us something that obviously you have where you can turn that around the other way and all these terrible relationship challenges that you had when you're a kid turning into like the most magical positive things later on in life so that's really beautiful the way you did that another thing that you mentioned uh, in the earlier stages was that um you were just mentioning all of the things that were happening and like for for a person that age for a kid that age to be dealing with those things and working at the age of 13 and having a teenage mother and having all of these complexities and challenges in your life um a lot of us as kids we grow up and we're like life is just life right it's we don't know anything else we don't know right. what it's like to be in other families because we're not in other families we're just this is we probably assume that our life is the same as most other people's lives at what point did you actually realize your life was not actually like most other people's lives oh very early on yeah uh, yeah very early on I, I i remember being very very present to it even before kindergarten I was very, very aware. And the other thing that I was really aware of was because you have to read people out of survival, right? And so um, how judgmental adults are, that was the thing I learned very quickly and how prejudiced adults were towards me as a child, even though I didn't choose this. Mm. Oh, like, so judging you for having the circumstances you got and it's like, yeah, wow. Okay. You felt that. And you oh like, yeah. You like, I was always treated right. like the black sheep everywhere I went. Yeah. Cause I was always alone. Like, you know, and I remember, I mean, this is kind of a weird memory, but, um, I was, I had to have been like 
maybe in the second or third grade, but I was curious about church because I remember seeing like all these people going to church and they all looked happily and there was a mom and a dad and it looked loving. And I was really, really curious. Apparently I was so curious that uh, I convinced my birth mother to let me go to church on Sundays by myself. Mm. Right. So, you know, what do kids do? Well, they normally get checked into like the children's area or whatever. And there was nobody to check me in. So I checked in myself. Cause what do you do? But I remember the look on the adults faces was like, what is going on here? Right. And I had to check myself out. And I, as a, as a mom, I just, I couldn't imagine my children like doing any of that, but I was so like, I so desperately wanted that love and that experience of family that, yeah, I did some really bold, odd things as a child just to be around that love and that nurturing. And, you know, like, I believe all human beings crave that connection and that love, no matter who they are or where they're from, like we're drawn to it. Right. So it's like, we do whatever we need to, to have that experience. Yeah. And it sounds like there was some kind of burning desire in you at a younger age where you did have the boldness to go out. You're like, yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to make that thing happen. However, it's going to happen. And obviously like asking your, your foster parents or your adopted, the parents who adopted you. I mean, that was like a super bold move too, especially before their wedding. That's like, that's huge. So yeah. And your life yeah. would taken that path without that. I mean, and it was out of a moment of desperation. Like, it wasn't like I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And like, I didn't plan any of it out. It just like erupted out of me, you know? So sometimes we just need to let that come out, whatever that is. Heck yeah. So do you feel like the fact that you were considered yourself as like a black sheep and people made you feel like a black sheep when you're a kid as an adult do you kind of like have an attraction if you're in a room and there's like a black sheep over there? Do you like go over and introduce yourself to the black sheep and like give them a shot that probably nobody else has given a shot? Is that just like a natural thing you do? It's very natural for me to do. And I, I take them under my wing a lot. And I, the other thing is I taught my children, you know, my, my kids, I've always said to them, my measure for them is that they go out and be productive, contributing members of society. I don't care what it looks like. Just as long as you're a productive, contributing member to society, I'm going to be thrilled as a mom. I don't care what your vocation is. You'll figure it out. But that's my benchmark. And so as children, I, they, my kids, they always were in the same school. So I made the point of like, listen, like when I talked to them, you know, were there any new kids? How's it going? Who are you having lunch with? And anytime there was a new kid, I was like, look, you, it's up to you because you're aware that that kid is new and how sad they are. You need to go over and you need to have lunch with them. That's you need cool. to spend recess with them. You need to bring them into your friend group and help them feel welcome. And so every day after school, it was always those beautiful conversations. And here's one that's so profound. So um, it was, I want to say it was like it was the third or fourth grade and my kids ride the bus. They rode the bus to school. It was their favorite part of the day, which is weird to me because I hated riding the bus, but <laughs> So I was always like, how was school? And it was always about the bus ride. I guess the bus ride was amazing. Anyway, there was an older kid, an older boy on the bus who was picking on all the younger kids and it, you know, was becoming an issue. So I talked to my kids like, okay, so let's just back, back up for a second. Like if that, yeah, that kid is picking on the other kids, but let's consider what do you think is possibly going on at home that they would be reacting what do you think could be going on? And so we talked through something. It has nothing, him reach him lashing out of these kids has nothing to do with the kids. He's mm -hmm. feeling out of control in some other area of his life that this is the only way he feels like he can have some form of control. Mm -hmm. And even at a young age, having that conversation, my kids understood it enough. The very next day they get on the bus and kiss kids lashing out and picking on all the other kids, bullying the other kids. And so my daughter gets on the bus and she literally goes and she sits right beside him on the bus. This big kid, scary. 
And she looks at him and she goes, what's going on? And he, you know, says whatever he says. Long story short, they end up having a conversation. He breaks down, he's crying, and he's telling her how upset he is because his parents are getting a divorce. Mm. From that day forward, he never picked on another kid on that bus. That's awesome. Right? So it's that when we bring awareness, self-awareness of ourselves, and now awareness of like what somebody else is going through, you know, it's... I feel it's important to bring that level of compassion to, you know, what what we call the black sheep, the outliers The you know, it's like reach out to them. Chances are they're pretty freaking extraordinary people who are just going through some stuff that any of us going through it, we would be feeling the same way. So we can have that compassion, that understanding You know, yeah, we can make a I, difference. I think there's like a natural um, cultural attraction to people just unconsciously wanting to fit in and like right. be average person or something like that. And maybe even the concept that people outside of average, it's definitely in school. I mean, kids pick on people who are not average. Um, but if I look at average and you and I both look at average, we don't want to be average. I mean, the average American before COVID had um, less than three months savings if something went wrong. And now God knows how many, how much they've got. Maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck, the average American. I don't know. The average American doesn't, or, and this is not just American. This goes to a lot of the Western world countries um, have average relationships, um, lots of problems in marriages, um, average health, which is definitely not good. And so like, if I look at average and you know fitting in oh my god do i not want to be average i want to be way on the outside of that right what the average person is not doing like they're not living fulfilled they're not living their dream they're not like making a huge difference and so actually the black sheep and the odd one out and all of that i mean i think that's where the gold is personal opinion you know 100 percent. yes i'm with you and so like my message i feel is for that one percent right? The one percenters or the decimal points, because here's the deal. Like we have been given this odd gift of whatever it is that allows us to add commas to bank accounts. Right. And I feel like, I feel so strongly about this, that if you have been given that gift and that genius to be able to add commas to bank accounts, then you must, and you must do it unapologetically Mm -hmm. because the reason is again, you know, money is like oxygen. The more you have, the easier you can breathe, but the bigger the difference in the world you can make. And if you think for one second that money doesn't make a difference in the world, you have not given enough away. So I challenge each one of your listeners to seriously, whatever your gift is, go out there and go all out at as many commas and then go make that difference in the world. Either you don't have to start a nonprofit. You can support a nonprofit that's already out there that makes your heart sing. You know, whether it's, Uh, adopting dogs or kids or, you know, whatever it is that makes your heart sing. There is a way for you to be a contribution, but you must stop like holding yourself back for fear of judgment or whatever. Like be bold, go after it, be amazing and make that difference in the world that you're here to make. Life is too short to fit inside of that box and have that average life. Totally. I'm sorry, but average socks. It does suck. <laughs> I think Robert Kiyosaki did a post on social media recently that said, it's not rich people that are greedy, it's poor people. And I just never heard it like worded like that. And then I thought about it and I just thought, wow, you know, like, you know, someone who's in a good financial position can provide employment, can make a big difference, can actually like implement the change that they want to see in the world because they've got the financial backing to be able to do it. Um, we talk a lot and we're going to get into the financial side of things. Financial freedom is huge, but from my experience, 90% of people want financial freedom so they can get to that time freedom piece. And then once you get to the time freedom piece, then a lot of people want to go to the next level and do some kind of like contribution, build a church, help the homeless, help foster children, adopt dogs, whatever, you know, child sex trafficking, whatever the differences are, you know, cleaning up the planet, the things that we want to see change. Um, So it really, 
I think if I look at it like that, I think that money making is really is a spiritual game. Um, if we're looking at it in the right way, because we can make the big difference in the world that we want to. Sure, there were some people like Gandhi and um, Mother Teresa who had a huge influence and made a big difference without their own financial backing. Uh, but that's very rare. And for most of us to make a big difference, I mean, if we're still struggling to pay for ourselves, we can't start a foundation and make a huge movement. Um, so we really can do a lot of things the more money we make and not make it about us. That is a right. very big distinction. Uh, one thing that you brought up before is when your husband passed away, you said that you had multiple streams of income. Correct. One thing that I drive home all the time is that we want to become financially free because now we work because we choose to, not because we have to, and then we can have the time, freedom, peace, right? Um, every now and then I'll bring up the point that, you know, it is good to be financially free because what happens if you get sick? What happens if someone else in your family gets sick? What happens if someone dies? What happens if a tragedy or a last minute shock happens? And you have a real life story of that. Um, if you didn't have multiple streams of income, like how different would your life have been? So it's interesting because um, through that that year after he died, uh, we were in multiple different forms of therapy because he, here's the reality is that there's the only way around the grief is through it. And people get stuck in grief and it doesn't necessarily need to be a spouse death, but it could be the death of a job. It could be a death of a friendship, like whatever it is, people need to work through their stuff. And so I just took my kids' hands and, you know, dove in and we did the work. And, um, through that, what was really interesting is, um, going through the different forms of therapy and group therapy and everything we were in, there were people that, um, because of the grief, it was so intense. They lost their jobs. They were losing homes because the grief is so gripping. And again, it's, there's lots of different forms of grief, right? There was a lot of loss through COVID that people aren't addressing and dealing with the grief of that. So it's not having those streams of income. Like I, I don't know that I could have actually held a steady job at that point. Mm -hmm. I was like, I couldn't focus for longer than 20 minutes at a time. I had to sleep every two hours. I mean, I was, we were all complete train wrecks. And so, you know, it, 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 it was a crushing experience. So my life would have been, our lives would have been obliterated for sure. You know, but instead, because of that, you know, we're still in the same home. We're still the same community, same schools. Like I was able to make sure that stability and consistency that children need and crave was able to be there the entire time, even though this was devastating on every level for them. That's At true. least it wasn't devastating financially. You know, it was devastating emotionally, physically, mentally, emotionally, like, yeah, but at least it wasn't financially. Yeah, I mean, makes it sounds like it made a really huge difference. And I'm very glad for you and your kids that you did actually have that in place before you got to that point in your life, because that's amazing. And I think this is a good... And I hadn't, I didn't create it for that, right? Oh, sure, like, you're not expecting that, right? Yeah, um, and he didn't have life insurance because he had pre-existing health conditions. Hmm. Right. So, I mean, there's things that we can put in place, like had he had life insurance, would that have helped? Absolutely. But there's always ways of having backup plans to make sure, okay, here's how we're doing it. Yeah. I think another thing, like on the concept of our mindset towards making money is I think some people think that if we, uh, if, if I make more money, that means I'm taking money from poor people or something like that but from I, my experience the way that i see this it's actually you're taking money from like other wealthy people is the way that i say you're taking money from the top not from the bottom is the way that i actually see it um with all of the investments and the way that things work it's like you're competing in an area where there's an abundant amount of wealth there's abundant amount of deals there's abundant amount of everything 
And um, you're not actually like taking from the poor and the needy. I mean, what's your experience on that? So I don't see it as taking at all. There is a commerce that happens just like energy and it needs to keep moving. You know, if the money isn't moving and the services aren't moving, we, a country literally can die. And we see this throughout history, right? Like if we look at Germany, when Hitler was in there and what was happening economically, the money and the services had essentially like come to a grinding halt. Mm -hmm. So what happens, like they're so desperate for, um, you know, men to provide for their families. I mean, literally they have pictures of men, you know, coming home with wheelbarrows full of cash because it was cheaper for the kids to play with cash than it was toys, mm-hmm. right? Every 15 minutes, the waiters were standing on tables and announcing the new prices of the food because it was literally changing because the economy had come to a grinding halt like that. And as a result, they have like a supreme leader come in and we all know what happened there. So I don't see it as taking as like, it's commerce needs to happen and needs to continue to flow. And the more it flows, the healthier an economy is, which again, here we are in the United States. It's a beautiful, that's the thing I love about compassionate capitalism, Mm -hmm. right? So when we have compassion and capitalism together, now we keep the flow of money going That's the first piece that's critical. The second piece that we need to understand is that, again, it's about what goes on here. So they've actually done studies that if you take all the wealth in the world and you evenly distribute it to all the people in the world in 30 days, all the wealthy people are still going to have the money again because they understand how to make money. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the thing that people need to understand, we talk about that 90 percent versus the one percent. Here's the thing about school. And you know, this is that school trait schools turn out factory workers. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you understand how schools got created, schools were created by the owners of the factories who needed somewhere for their these workers, children to be able to go and learn how to be good factory workers. But the owners of the factories sent their kids to a different school that actually learned how to run the business, right? Mm -hmm. So we understand that, wait a sec, were you trained to be a factory worker or were you trained to actually run and operate businesses and investments? And if you were trained to be a factory worker, fantastic. That means you probably have a really strong, good work ethic. And if you wanna be the business owner and the investor, then it's up to you to actually go get yourself educated by listening to podcasts, you know, like Bryce and like, all these different books you can read and courses. And I'm not necessarily talking about going to traditional college, you know, things like that. I know all of my education came from being mentored and trained and taught by other really successful investors and mentors who never went to college. Mm -hmm. So again, college is just an extension on some levels, some of training you to be a better factory worker. So if you understand like what it is you're wanting to do, go get trained by somebody that is literally crushing it at exactly what you want to learn and learn how to crush it at. Like that's the best place to go get trained. And I think we're seeing like an awakening in that kind of area with the education system. Like I think that holistically in the world, we're going to see a change in our financial systems, our education systems, our health systems that well, we're seeing really it. all of yeah. that and like so the next like you know 10 20 years are probably going to be very interesting and revolutionary there um so many people that i know that are financially successful and successful in business making a big difference you don't have the schooling background i didn't even graduate high school you know and um and i'm super proud of that because obviously what i've created i, I feel you know is pretty awesome so yeah um, you know and, and think people are waking up to this and i I'm open to the possibility that in like five, 10 years, a kid has an option to be able to go to a school where they learn about how to communicate. They learn about how to um, manage emotions, emotional intelligence. They learn how to build relationships. They learn about financial freedom and money management. You know, like, like imagine if our kids were learning these things right now, these are all important things in life. I mean, we need to. So it's funny that. So it's funny that you say that. So that was my awakening a couple of years ago. I woke up one night and realized like, oh my gosh, my children don't have the financial literacy. They need that communication skills. They need the relationship skills. Like, where is this going to come from? And so I actually ended up creating a family financial mastermind. 
and was made it so that my kids, you know, cause at 16, they don't listen to their parent while they're one parent. Mm-hmm. And so I made it mandatory every second Friday, they came to the kitchen table, the dining room table, and they had homework to complete. And we went through and literally taught them the, the financial literacy, the relationship skills and the communication skills all the way through ended up doing it for a couple of years. And it made a huge, huge impact, not only in their lives, but our extended family ended up inviting themselves to the table and they learned a ton out of it too. So it's, you know, right now, rather than waiting for the school, I invite parents to like, wake up and start teaching their kids. Now you can literally start having your own mastermind at your dining room table right now and using resources that are already out there. Like there's so many different books that you could bring to the table and workbooks and work through it together as a family, you know, and I assert the adults actually learn more than the kids, yeah. but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that, yeah. There's so many, yeah. This is like a big call out to the adults, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That's amazing. Because not a lot of adults were never taught. And how, how do people get their hands on that? Uh, on my family mastermind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't created, but I haven't actually launched it. So yeah. you're actually multiple Stay people tuned. keep asking. So Stay I need tuned. to, yeah, you're calling me to the mat on this. <laughs> there you go. I mean, mid creation, love it. And it's definitely something that's needed. So thanks for being on the forefront of that. I think we're going to see a lot of people, making moves in this kind of direction. Like you said, it's the parents that probably need it more than the kids at this point. Um, But it's something that like, you know, fast forward, imagine a world where our kids do have financial literacy and like 80% of the kids do like, whoa, what a different place, you know? And Um, kids want to make a difference. Yeah. And we live in a world of abundance. So there's enough for everybody to to go around. And uh, that's amazing. So your company, Titan Impact Group, I noticed it's yes. not called Titan Investment Group. I know this is not called Titan Real Estate Investments. Um, even though like it's revolved around the financial side of things, impact. So um, 2023, what, what is title, Titan Impact Group got going on? I love it. So we, our whole vision and mission is that we are the sentinels of the American dream. We're the gladiators protecting the American dream, all the way from home ownership to um, investing, investments, teaching people how to go from being just a, you know, newbie investor all the way to being all the way to an accredited, sophisticated investor. Um, And everything we do, everything we do, um, is that we leave every person, property, and community better than we found them. Mm-hmm. If what we are into, um, like I have lots of opportunities like you do that come up. And so we have to evaluate, you know, yes, there's a financial evaluation. But for me, the bigger picture is always, is it leaving every person, property, and community better than we found them? If we can do that party, you know, paired with the financial piece of it, I mean, it is crushing it. So what we're working on right now is um, we have become a partner inside of a company called Avante Body. And what's really extraordinary about this company is it's taking on healing people physically. But at the same time, what's happening is, I mean, the stories I'm being told is the healing that's happening is happening mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It's healing relationships. Um, I was in one of the centers here um, last week and I was talking to a couple of the employees and all of the employees actually were clients before they came employees, but it literally as clients, it changed their lives so much that it literally, they begged to come on and be employees. I don't know any other company that does that. You know, I'm having and tell me it's because of the, the, it's red light therapy technology and there's an, uh, whole um, exercise component, getting them actually strong, um, having them lose weight, having them actually be healthy all the way through, um, that it's having them, their pain is disappearing, they're feeling better, looking better, they're becoming better wives, better moms, friends, sisters, you know, and even the men are having the same experience. Like we have, um, you know, major surgeons come in and, you know, wondering what it is and they're literally themselves are now looking at like 
they're getting off the cortisone shots themselves. Like the, the healing that's happening is extraordinary. So again, it's that, you know, how are we, it's leaving every person because it's healing the body um, property inside of what we're doing, making it beautiful, but community inside of, you know, because it's a franchise model, when people understand, you know, when they want to go out and they want to have that American dream of being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, one of the best ways that you can actually do that is to be a part of a franchise. You know, if you think about, um, like, if we think about McDonald's, right, the investing model, we talk about in McDonald's is a real estate investment company. If people actually understand that they're not a burger company. So when we drive by and we see those golden arches all over the world, right? It's people generally who are uneducated on this and think that it's McDonald's corporation that's running it. It's not. Each one of those little boxes with the golden arches over it is a mom and pop small business run company yeah. That is backed by a major corporation, the systems, the structures, the marketing, all of that, where if you start your own company by yourself, you, you yourself have to come up with the branding, the marketing, the systems, the structures, all of that. So when you tap into a franchise, a really well-run franchise, and you have all that behind you, the success rate um, of people who actually have those is 80% versus the ones that start the companies on their own, which is less than 10%. Hmm. I mean, that is huge when you see that. So it's educating people on there's ways for you to be business owners and entrepreneurs. And I feel like that's a lot of what happened through COVID because people felt out of control, you know, and were at the mercy of whatever was going on in the company they were working for. Well, this is a way that you can take control. And now like you're taking control, but now you're being a contribution because not only are you helping all the people, your employees that are working for you, but now all these clients that their lives are being changed for the good as well. So it's just, I'm super excited for what we're doing and spreading this across the United States inside of the health and wellness and weight loss and having people look better, feel better, and just really giving people an opportunity to have create their version of the American dream, you know, inside of being business owners and investors and stuff. So I'm, yeah, this is a, a major thing that we're doing that I'm super excited about. So we're um, doing a whole capital raise around that and, uh, you know, launching all the franchises for people to be able to open up franchises in their local cities. And of course, the real estate component to that is uh, super exciting, which has never been done in the real, in the franchise sector, which is that uh, normally with a franchise company, if you want to open up your own franchise, you have to go find the location, buy the location, do all the tenant improvements, put in all the equipment, and then get it going. And that you're looking at anywhere from a quarter of a million to a half a million, depending on the type of franchise, where we have a whole real estate division that we actually, we find the location, we buy it, we do all the tenant improvements, we put on the equipment and then just roll it into a monthly lease for the franchise owner. So right out of the gate, they're like ahead of the curve because the revenue is already starting to pay for all of that from day one. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's figuring out all these creative ways. Again, why I love real estate is we get to have all these creative ways to make, um, you know, these deals come together and happen, you know, along with healing people's bodies, you know, and the ripple effect, like you said, I love that the butterfly effect, mm -hmm. what is the butterfly effect? And how is that, you know, spreading to the world and the community at large? So that is, that is basically my 2023 um, focus. And I'm super excited for, you know, just the healing that it's bringing and the commas that it's adding to everybody's bank accounts. It's pretty awesome. Checking a few boxes there, mate. That's a lot of things you're up to and a lot of impact that you're making there. So definitely filling into that name and, you yep. know, talk about like the franchise side of things and the location, like obviously the location, I mean, we've got like um, automatic telemachines as one of the investments we have. Also we've got mobile home parks and all these things where they are really depends on how successful they're going to be. 
And yes. so, since you guys are actually the specialists in knowing where these businesses are going to be successful, what demographics need to be there, where they need to be located, that would just take away like a whole huge complex piece of yes. planning. Um, and you're also mentioning like working towards like the finance, um, the American dream and especially people's version of the American dream. When you own a business and you're an employee, your tax circumstances completely change. And I can tell you from firsthand experience that the American tax system is set up for people who know how the tax system works. And when you know <laughs> your own businesses and investments, I mean, that's why um, a lot of people who are financially successful don't really pay many taxes. Yes, um, legally. And it's not like we're avoiding it. No, it's it's all legal. Literally designed for that. And um, let's be honest, that tax paying money isn't responsibly used anyway. So. <laughs> and um, exactly that. I love that you just said that. Our tax money isn't being responsibly used. So rather than complaining about it and being mad at the government for being inefficient and whatever they do, why don't you become a more savvy business owner and investor and then save the taxes and now you have those taxes that normally as an employee would have been have to send to the government you actually can have those and now have them funneled to a source or a charity or somewhere that you're called to make a difference yeah right so it's okay. exactly my point we we're talking about it's not taking money away from anybody it's circulating it in a way that actually makes a difference and matters to you yeah right legally and I, I think, love that. And I think any old knucklehead could do a better job than how that money's being spent right now anyway. So, or, or do a something more ethical, shall we say, with that money. Yeah. So we're being the change we want to see in the world and making the difference. The responsibility yes. is up to us. We're not going to do it unless we actually take action and take those steps. So thank you very much. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story, being vulnerable, dropping a whole bunch of golden nuggets for being a real person, for being an example in life of all the changes that you want to make. Um, I've really appreciated our time together. Do you have yeah. any, any final thoughts or final words you want to leave with our Freedom Hackers? Yes, I want to give these two things. So you can see, I love to read and I've seen amount of books. So two gifts that I have for you is that I believe this, you change this, no matter what happens, nobody can take this away from you. So this success leaves clues, right? Every single, I have a lot of friends who are millionaires and a couple of friends who are billionaires. And so I started to ask them a lot of questions. One of the questions was, what do you read? And so when you see that common thread, if you do the same thing that they do, you should get similar, if not the same results, right? So I started reading what they read. And this is hands down the book that has made the biggest difference in my life. So it's called The Science of Getting mm -hmm. Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. Yeah. And, he, and it's a teeny tiny little book. You can read it in like two and a half to three hours. Here's the homework. You do this. This is going to be changed forever. This is profound. Is um, The homework is to read through the book once. And then for the next 90 days, 90 days, every single day, you read chapters four, seven, 11, and 14. So four, seven, 11, and 14. It'll take you 20 minutes. The chapters are so tiny. But the point is for 90 days. And if you miss a day, you got to start all over again. That practice inside of what you're going to learn inside of this will absolutely change your life forever. That that is a given. So that's and the first and gift. This is also not a new book. This is a quite yeah. an old book that's yeah. probably like 100 years old or something like that, right? Yeah, it was wrote back in the early 1900s. Yeah. But yeah. the principles... And the lessons, absolutely, 100% are still true. Universal and timeless. Yeah. Right? The second one that changed my life is this who, not how. Yeah. Dan Sullivan. Because here's the thing. I feel like most people get stuck on how. How am I going to do this? How, 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 how? Stop asking that word. Start asking who. Who mm -hmm. can help me get where I want to go? who is or has been where I want to go and can help actually get me there. When we start asking that question, big, big, big things and big impacts actually get to be made in the world. Because when you understand what your genius is and what your genius is not, stay in your lane and bring somebody else in who has that genius, you build that together, you can do extraordinary things in the world. Absolutely. And that who, not how concept 
actually allowed me to scale my business. And I wouldn't be here today without doing that because, you know, I, otherwise I'd, I'd have a much smaller business. I'd be impacting much less people and I'd be working like 80 to hundred hours a week just to keep it going. But right? I implemented the who, not the how it enabled me to scale. It enabled me to back off and go to the position right? where I can work four hours a week. I can work 80 hours a week. It's up to me. And um, I can reach way more people, make a big, big impact. And that's because of the who, not how. And specifically Dan Sullivan, that dude's like a wizard at um, systems and way to do things. Like he is really, really an amazing mentor in the business world. Um, I use a lot of his tools and tricks and um, systems actually in our business. So he's amazing. And we're going to have links to both of those books, The Science of Getting Rich and um, Who Not How. We'll have links to those in the show notes below. And for all of our freedom hackers out there that want to keep the conversation going with you, Catherine, how do they uh, keep that going? I'm all over social media. And then, of course, you can go to my website, titanimpactgroup.com and uh, you can, my phone number's there, you know, you can schedule a call. And if you want to know more about the FOST Adopt, it's under, on my website, under Our Legacy. And you can learn more about that there to, you know, donate or connect with a church or, you know, to be a family that has one less trash bag day happen. Beautiful. You can make so a difference. Titan Impact Group. We're going to have a link to that in the show notes below. Make sure to reach out, keep the conversation going. Catherine, it's been amazing. Um, really, really enjoyed having you on here today. Thanks for being you and everything you've shared. And I look forward to the next time that we get to meet in person, which will hopefully be very soon. Yes. And for all of our Freedom Hackers out there, this is Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And until next week, live large, live free. G'day, this is Bryce Robertson. I'm your host here at Freedom Hack Radio, and I truly, truly hope that you got a ton of value out of the episode that we just shared with you. And if you did, make sure to subscribe on your YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. Hit the notification button so you can find out about the next episodes as they come out. Because if you haven't achieved financial time and location freedom, you really need to be dialed in here. So make sure to subscribe and follow us along as you grow on your path to financial time and location freedom here at Freedom Hack Radio.